It's opening day, Joe. Get excited, Joe. Sure. Because Major League Baseball is not just changing some rules. Mm-hmm. Now they're not just getting us in a marketing campaign. They're delivering. Okay. Yankees beat the Giants in the opener today. Never mind. We'll get to Aaron Judge's home run. <laughs> you know how long a Yankees-Giants game took this afternoon in the Bronx? Tell me. Two hours, 33 minutes. Love it. Excuse Who says no? Me? Who says no? Yankees win 5-0. Cubs beat the Brewers 4-0. The Braves beat the Nats 7-2. Oh, wait. There's day baseball, too? Wait, this is a good idea? <laughs> uh, did you see the crowd? Uh-huh? Did you see the crowd for Cincinnati's opening day? I did not see the crowd. Was was it nice? No, like the people hanging outside the stadium and everything else looked great. Because people love day baseball. You know what else people, but they wouldn't know that they love baseball, Joe, if they didn't get comedians and famous people. We've heard Brian Cranston, Ah, a.k.a. Walter White, which I thought was fun, right? Mm -hmm. Now here comes your guy, Sebastian Maniscalco, who you don't even really know who he is. No, I really don't. I do. I enjoy Sebastian Maniscalco. He's a comedian. But here he is, and he's talking. uh, Which clip is this, Dennis? Is this the pitch clock? Okay, a little bit of everything. Here's Sebastian Manesco. Oh, it's on the shift. He's, there's an F in that word, shift. Mm. Oh, come on, enough with the peanuts. Half the infield's allergic. And what is the shortstop doing in the outfield? See, this is the problem with the shift. Nobody's in their positions anymore. That's why I'm excited about Major League Baseball. They're putting limits on the shift. It's going to create more athleticism, more action. Game's going to be amazing this year. There's a kid. I love you to death, but come on now. Spread out. I get a little water, a little dry on the peanut. <laughs> Shift. Yeah, no, I, I, I caught Fift. that. I caught that. Yeah, look, Major League Baseball is entering. I think they're just trying to appeal to me. They got Walter White, my favorite show. Um, and they got this Sebastian Maniscalco, who is my favorite comedian. See, I don't think like, they are, they just, are they marketing to me? No, no, no. That's actually not what they're doing. Okay. They, they know they have you. Right. Okay. They know they have the older demographic. Everything that is happening in Major League Baseball right now is trying to appeal to a younger demographic. It's actually a really interesting time if you are into sports business. Major League Baseball is not the only one that's freaking out about Gen Z and Gen Alpha. I think that's the next one that comes up. So, like, you and I have Gen Z kids. Right. Jacob, my younger son, who's about to turn 12 in May, he's, like, technically Gen Alpha or whatever it is or whatever they're so going to call it. So we went from the uh, Omega to the Alpha. Got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Because we so were here, at here's, XYZ. Here's, here's, the th- here's what's going on, okay? And old people can bitch and moan all they want, but ultimately— I, I prefer yell at clouds. Okay, okay. Old people can yell out clouds, but ultimately they're going to stick with baseball because that's what they've always enjoyed. And Correct. as many times as they pop on Facebook or Twitter and say, I'm not watching this game anymore, you're still going to watch because you love your team, okay? So there was a um, a couple a couple months ago or a month or a, a little bit of time ago at the end of the year, uh, there's something called a morning consult. It's one of these— it's an industry read. It tells you what industry people are worried about or where things are going. And Ethan Strauss, uh, who writes a Substack newsletter called House of Strauss, which covers a lot of business of sports. If you're interested in business of sports, I highly recommend you subscribe to his uh, newsletter. So I'm just going to read directly from this newsletter from a couple weeks ago. A morning consult article titled Gen Z Keeps Sports Executives Up at Night. Here's what they're doing about it. Depicts an entire industry on edge. He says it's not a front and center issue to the average consumer, but youth flight might be the number one focus for sports executives. Gen Z did not warm up to sports as previous generations did, and those younger than Gen Z are even more sports apathetic. That's the key word, apathetic. 
It's not that they don't like sports. They're just eh about it. They don't really care about watching live sports. They're so, okay watching YouTube clips. Yes, they are. So Gen Zers, according to a survey result, half as likely as millennials to watch live sports regularly and twice as likely to never watch. The trend appears to be only accelerating, according to the Sports Business Journal. Surveys suggest that only 15% of Gen Alpha, the incoming cohort of teens, enjoys watching sports. And there's reasons for this. I mean, there's any there's an abundance of entertainment options that you and I never had. And as parents, you can take your kids to sporting events but it might not necessarily still take be on the phone because they have a phone now. Yeah. When I got dragged to the Orange Bowl, when I got dragged to Joe Robbie Stadium, I had no other options than to watch pay this attention. stuff and pay attention. I did not have the ability to look at my phone while my dad was listening to, uh, was it 560 call? WQAM? Oh, no. Yeah. Was your dad a bring the radio call to the game guy? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and also because my grandfather, my grandfather's English was kind of eh. Okay. So he would listen to the Spanish language broadcast on his old transistor radio, which I now have in my house. A little sentimental value to that. So the things that are going on right now with Major League Baseball are to answer what Gen Z and Gen Alpha want. Old people be damned because they know they have you. Okay. And the, Which makes sense. The, and the biggest thing beyond Gen Z apathy and Gen Alpha apathy is what's going on with television right now. Bally, the cable subscriptions, all the stuff that was a license to print money for these leagues is eroding. And as we've discussed, because it affects our business too, how do you monetize the other stuff? Can you monetize the other stuff? Well, you got to get the audience first. Yes. Then, how do you monetize the audience? And is that monetization going to be as much as what you were pulling in from cable Probably subscriptions? No. And that the answer to that is no. So there's a lot of hand wringing of what's going on. So I applaud Major League Baseball for trying to do things like the NBA has done. Finally, finally, yes. <laughs> the NBA did this in the 2000s when they realized, yeah. in the absence of Michael Jordan, they had to go in a different direction. They changed rules. Okay, you like to call what the NFL did in the pandemic. Pandemic rules. What did we not see during the pandemic not season? Not a whole lot of flags. Nope. <laughs> it was put some points on the freaking board. Let so it play. Major League Baseball is thinking, okay, well, fine. we got to quicken this thing up, and we need more action. Now, there's only so much you can do in terms of action because strikeouts are still part of a game. Right. And strikeouts, to me, and that's another feature about baseball that you shouldn't get away from, strikeouts are still compelling. No hitters are still compelling. Mm -hmm. And that's the one nuance about baseball. Well, it's almost that like I'm there's nothing quite... in between, right? It's all strikeouts yes. or home runs. And that's what they're trying to correct. That's what we're trying to. Yes. And I and I, I hope, hope they're successful. Yeah, yeah. I, hope, I hope it takes. We had our first uh, uh, ball issued to a pitcher too, Marcus Stroman. Oh, did we? From uh, Duke. Yeah. Pitching for the Cubs now. Yeah. Was the first to get the pitch clock ball. Interesting. For taking too long. Interesting. Good. Enforce it. Yeah. We also had our first Aaron Judge home run. Here's the call on uh, the Yankees radio network, John Sterling, doing John Sterling things. Pitch is swung on and hit in the air to center field and deep. Back goes Yastrzemski on the track at the wall. She is gone. Unbelievable. Aaron Judge in his first at-bat of the year. It's a home run to dead center. It is a Judgean blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Why would it be unbelievable that the guy who led the majors in home runs last year and you paid all the money to hit home runs this year <laughs> hit a home run? 
So he's on pace for 162? 162, man. Let's go. That would make him the true home the run true. hero. That, the true. That. I will, I will acknowledge. Even you. Even you. I will, I will, we'll, we'll bow. Yes, if Aaron we'll Judge, take the knee. If Aaron Judge gets to knee. 162, I will bend the knee. Next up. One of the four, all of the four, or half of the four. They did not hand out any participation trophies today in Major League Baseball opening day. That would make some lawmakers in the North Carolina General Assembly very happy. So there's a lot of serious things that are going on in this state. A lot of bills being introduced. And one that was introduced today was comically bad. This is called a bill to be entitled an act to prohibit awards in youth recreation activities of local governments based solely on participation. Yes, that's exactly what it sounds like. A bill to strip participation trophies. Uh, Youth sports and other youth recreation activities operated under the authority of a local government shall not include awards for participants based solely on their participation in the sport or other activity. Awards provided in connection with the activity, if any, shall be based on identified performance achievements. Wow. Y'all must be fun at parties. This is this is big dork behavior from some of our state lawmakers in this bill that was introduced. Um, this is a very unserious thing to introduce in a very serious time. When I think about my kids, you know what I'm not worried about? Whether or not my son got a ribbon or a medal for his Polar Ice House League play, rec play. I was not concerned when they played t-ball if they got some sort of acknowledgement. I was not concerned when they played soccer if they got some sort of acknowledgement. You know what concerns me? You know what I would like lawmakers to concern themselves with when it comes to my children? Me not having an existential crisis every time I get an email from Wake County Public Schools and there's some sort of lockdown. That's what I freak out about, which happened earlier this week at one of my kids' schools. And yes, I'm editorializing here. Yes, I'm not going to stick to sports. But when you get stuff like this, stupid crap like this introduced, while at the same time stripping these gun bills that were vetoed by the governor, actual meaningful gun limitations when we have more kids, now the leading cause of death for kids being guns, this is what you're concerned with. Got it. What this tells me is that you are unserious as a politician. And through a whole bunch of other things that are going on right now, it's really screwed up that these are the people that are making decisions on a larger scale. Unserious to me. Completely unserious. Get on social media. Talk about wokeness. Talk about all this other crap. It tells me that you are unserious about governing as elected leaders. Next up. One, two, three. Lakers beat the Bulls last night. 121-110 to move into a playoff spot. The Mavericks, meanwhile, lost to the Sixers, 116-108. Dallas, right now, is on the outside of the Western Conference playoffs. This, of course, after they made a trade for Kyrie Irving. Dallas has um, only won three of their last ten games. So, of course, there's some hand-wringing going on with, with not only Kyrie Irving, but specifically Luka Doncic. And we give Kyrie a lot of hard, a hard time, a lot of time, justifiably so. Oh, sure, sure. Because he can be off base, off kilter, and really just flat out wrong. However, in this instance, I think we have to mark the date, March 30th, so the comments would have been yesterday. I think he's got this one right. Here's what he said last night after, again, there's been some hand-wringing about the the possibility, the real possibility of the Mavericks missing the playoffs, and, and whose fault is that? 
really paying attention to the human element. The wins and losses come and go, but the um, kind of nitpicking of judgment of what's going on when someone says I'm having human emotions and then it goes to what's the what's the blame or who's the blame and then it starts pointing fingers and you know that's the aspect that I don't enjoy about this sport at all like because there's a human element that goes into this where we perform every single day you know this is 24 7 job I don't think people realize that at times that are not entrenched with us um but I, I, again, I'm, I'm grateful that he was honest, but um, we just got to help him and support him as best we can. And I've been going through personal things myself as well. Um, and we just got to really put our arm around him as a brother and as a human being. And as humanity, we should care too. You know, the wins and losses will come and go, but I just want him to be okay and at peace. Yeah, look at look at Kyrie like <laughs> talking all kinds I, of sense. I'm just I totally not used to this. I don't know what to do with that. I know. I mean, good for Kyrie. Yeah, All because right. because of course you know they make the trade. They're three. I think they're. I th they have not played well since the trade. I mean, part of it they haven't really been able to be on the floor together. Also, they gave up a bunch of supporting cast players to get Kyrie. Mm -hmm. So it's really kind of hard to do in th that close to the end of the season. Plus the. The jumbled mess that is the end of the Western Conference. Yeah, but it's it all becomes well. Why are you guys not going to make the playoffs? Is it because of Kyrie? Is it because of this? And Luca was just basically like, "Look, man, it's a grind, and it's really close right now. We're just not playing the way that we need to play." Let's get to. And the I don't even <laughs> care who number two is. Exactly, we don't even care. Uh, we don't care who number two is. Although, according to this mock draft from CBS Sports that was published six hours ago, Bryce Young is number two Ooh. to the Houston Texans. But who went number one? Well. According to Chris Trapasso at CBSSports.com, in his three-round mock draft. Ooh, just three? Three, not Slacker. seven. Anthony Richardson goes number one. <laughs> what? Eagles, Steelers take pass catchers in round Wait, two. No, what? Yeah, no, projected team, Carolina. Riding this out for now, Richardson has the most upside in the class, and the Panthers have a veteran coaching staff to aid his development. Of course, this is SEO madness because guess who had their pro day anthony richardson at florida mm. guess who was there the panthers the panthers and their whole traveling crew here's uh steve smith who uh, part of the nfl network he's there for these pro days panther legend on richardson being an investment but this is investment and no one wants to be known as the person who passed on tesla or amazon because now you have to look back, and then the question is going to be when that owner says, what guy told us not to draft him because of the, air quote, the, the floor, right? We know what the ceiling could be, but what is the floor? But the problem with that statement and the problem with all of that is how long and how much is going to cost you, but how long is it going to take for him to develop into that Corvette, into that beautiful extravagant house all over the place here that you're expecting it to be what happens if it only if it takes five years oh well bring matt rule back because it'll take him seven years to make that work so that's steve smith steve smith on richardson todd mcshay on espn the big takeaway for richardson's pro day he's just different you know having seen the other three quarterbacks throw and they they all you know were different levels of, of great in their own pro days but when you when you watch Anthony, he's six foot four. He's two hundred and forty four pounds. He runs a four four three, yet he has the upper body flexibility. You know, I'm not saying he's Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, but like those those guys, unlike Will Levis, who's, who's really you know muscular and, and a 
weight room warrior and all those things, the tightness he has in his upper body. What really stood out to me is just how flexible he is with his upper body. The tightness. Yes. We're getting into the polygons Let's of uh, go. the Tim Tebow. Let's go. Very excited. The tightness you know, of his upper body. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to go to father and son here soon, so I can get myself some sort of leisure blazer. Clip that though, Dennis. The the tightness of his upper body. We'll use that in whatever intro we cook up. Yes. So I can Deal. get really sensual when we talk yeah. about these mock drafts. The tightness. Next up. So is it personal when it comes to the ACC? Maybe we've got some evidence. We'll explain next. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So we talked to Jeff Capel, Pitt head basketball coach, on Monday. Lo and behold, the ACC got another team in the Final Four, despite the fact that people are convinced the ACC ain't all that. Now, two things can be true. Uh, the bottom of the league in the ACC was historically bad, but that doesn't mean that the teams at the top of the league are somehow lesser. They're pretty good, too, as Miami proved out. That's what the fifth different ACC squad to make the Final Four since 2016. It's a pretty good number in the grand scheme of things. So we asked Jeff Capel, okay, like what do, what do you think's going on here? And, and apparently, you know, we've known this. We've brought it up. There's a coach's group chat, and the coach's group chat has been popping. The fact that this was not a traditional year for Duke in North Carolina, I certainly think that plays into it. Mm -hmm. You know, like someone sent me, we, we, we have a group chat with ACC coaches, and one of the coaches sent this morning, you know, some texts, or I'm sorry, some tweets by Joe Lenardi, hmm. and I'm reading them, and I just responded to it. I'm like, you know, this seems personal. You know, some of the things that he was talking about, like he's comparing like player of the years. Look at the last three player of the years. I think that's total BS. Yeah. First of all, why even bring players into it? So that's Jeff Capel, Pithead basketball coach, with us on Monday. And he brings up Joe Lenardi. Yesterday, I get home, you know, put a record on, going through uh, what Dennis has put up on YouTube, going to get that up on the social channels. And I come across this Field of 68 tweet that features Jeff Goodman, who we've had on the show before, uh, talking about the ACC. And he was he he was beside himself bringing Pitt up as a reason to, to knock the ACC. Here's what he said. Pitt had a chance to win the league. They were good. No, the ACC wasn't good. I mean, how, did, did, Pitt win, did Pitt win game in the tournament? Did Pitt win games they in the did, tournament? They did. They, they won, won a couple. How, how many did they win two. in the, the NCAA? They, they, the they won two games in the tournament. One of them was a first oh, four. Oh, man, just keep shell of keep, what it was when you played. You can keep Am making, I wrong? You can keep making Are you going to debate that? You can keep making excuses for facts. Are you going to debate the fact that the league is a shell of when you play? North Carolina is a shell of when I play. So that's Terrence Olsenby, who's also a field of 68, former Clemson player, who's been on our program as well. Terrence is a good dude, and he's trying to defend the ACC there. But here... This is where I, I, I like to tell you all how to peep the game, okay? Jeff Goodman's doing the thing in our business that's the worst possible thing that you can do. He can't admit that he was wrong. And you double down on this take that you've had now for the last couple of years. Essentially, 
They went one bit ACC last year. What happened? Two teams got in the Final Four. And this year, Jeff Goodman calls it mid-major plus. That's what he called the ACC. And yet again, the ACC has a team in the Final Four. And there are two things that can be true. I get that part. But Goodman is doubling down on a bad take with the ACC. And people are pushing back on it. He doesn't know what to do. So he uses, like, Pitt had a chance to win the league. This is where I want you to peep the game. Joe, if Pitt were still in the Big East, and Jeff Capel just did what he did at Pitt this year, how are we talking about it? It would be an amazing reclamation turnaround. What a story. What a story. Big, bad Big Pitt. Because they survived the Big East grinder. The gr- And let's go back to what Pitt used to be in mm-hmm. the Big East, too, right? Yeah. Bringing it back. Yeah, actually. Oakland Zoo. Actually, the way that Jeff's team played this year. Right. That tough, those tough guards, good backcourt. It right. was just like Jamie Dixon's team. Weird, huh? Yeah, actually. But now that you say it that way. But and Jeff Cape Jeff Capel would be be lauded. John Fanta would be like sweatily, you know, be like, Oh my goodness, Pitt is back. Yes. Peep the game. But now because Pitt's in the ACC, doing exactly what we'd want them to do in the Big East, suddenly it's not good enough. Got it. Got it. So all this is to allow the the, the consumer to see how the game is played. And it's really easy to spot in this day and age people who just cannot admit that their take was bad. It's okay to admit you got it wrong. And that's what the ACC has been doing the last couple of years. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So the Carolina Panthers continued with their pro days. The owners' meetings wrap up. Anthony Richardson, the latest to have a pro day. Frank Reich and the crew were there. All good. Richardson talked to the media. And again, Richardson's probably the guy with the most upside, obviously. He's he's just a raw, unfinished product. People try to make it out like he's the next Cam Newton, except that Anthony Richardson, unlike Cam Newton, did not literally carry a team to a championship. So I don't like the Cam Newton comparisons other than, well, there are two black quarterbacks. Who went to Florida. Yeah. The, let's not do that, okay? But Richardson understands that. He understands that he has to be more consistent. He talked about that. It's been working. You know, uh, at times I was very inconsistent throughout the season. You know, so I was just trying to put that behind me, you know, trying to stay consistent because I know inconsistency is not going to work at the next level. Mm. So I've just been grinding at that, just trying to, you know, perfect my So that's Anthony Richardson. Here's Todd McShay on ESPN with C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. Those are the one and two. All right, those are the guys that most people are debating for the Carolina Panthers. Will Levis is kind of a dark horse for this. There are some Anthony Richardson truthers out there. McShay was asked to, you know, who had the better pro day? Anthony Richardson. I I thought, you know, Will Levis has a big time arm, and obviously he's mobile and he's got a heart of a lion and (laughs) – and you saw him battle through injuries this past year. Uh, I'm going to need that one too, guys. And young receivers and a running back who would stand out, <laughs> who suspended the first four games. There's a lot to work with 
you know, with Levis too, I don't think he's ready to start year one. So then all, all of a sudden when you get him as a starter in year two, now you're talking about a 25-year-old versus bringing in Anthony Richardson, who has greater tools, not as experienced, but give me a couple years to develop him, even maybe just one year. But if it's two, that's fine too. I just I think there's just more upside, and, and you have the luxury of being patient because he is so young. So, yeah, I'm going to need the heart of a lion. The heart of a lion. The chest tightness. There's one quarterback we have not been talking about, but where's my, like, Stone Cold Steve Austin glass-breaking? By God, that's Mike Tannenbaum's music. My Tannenbaum ESPN dropped his mock draft on ESPN, and he's got a he's got a curveball, folks. Well, he's got Bryce Young going. There it is. I'm gonna go full Jerry the King Lawyer. Oh my God! It's my Tannenbaum. Wait a minute. Now hold on. So it's a terrible. Either King or Jr. I don't know who you're trying to no, be. No, well, the, I was trying to be Jerry Lawler when he gets super excitable. Oh, like, oh my God! Oh my. He, he gets very hype. He gets squealy. Squealy. Okay. Okay. So anyway, Jr. Yeah, I don't do a very good Jr. Anyway, he's got Bryce Young going to the Panthers, and then C.J. Stroud going to Houston. I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Oh, look at Will Levis going. You know, uh, from Kentucky going to Indianapolis. Glass breaks. Hendon Hooker to the Seahawks? You brought we up, haven't been you talking brought, about you, Hendon you, Hooker. You, I, I know he had a knee injury. So this is what he says. Okay, this one might raise some eyebrows, but hear me out. I think Hooker is really underscouted right now, right now, largely because he's coming off a torn ACL in his left knee. But I love his strong arm and 6-3 frame before the injury. Hooker looked great for the Vols. Led the nation in yards per attempt, threw two interceptions over 11 starts, was a top 10 passer in terms of completion percentage, 69%. Nice. I see potential franchise quarterback and someone who can lead an offense. Go watch his performance against Alabama if you disagree. And the thing to keep in mind is that the Seahawks did re-sign Geno Smith to uh, a relatively team-friendly deal. It was a three-year deal. Um, So it's not completely out of the realm of possibility that somebody can move up like that and, and, and get him and take the chance on oh. him hooker. But so, yeah. Okay. What? Well, if you're Seattle and you have Geno Smith in place, you wouldn't have to use an, a primary asset on it. You would use like oh, a second man. or third or fourth pair. Out ne- never, never underestimate a team reaching. Yeah, they, they're, they're the ones who are, who created the game. They're the ones who took Russell Wilson in the third oh, round. I know. I know. I know. I'm with you on that. Look, I, I know we have some fun with the mock drafts. Every day you have to have a new mock draft. Uh, sometimes they get absolutely bonkers nuts. I mean, I, I saw one today on CBS Sports where the Panthers were taking Anthony Richardson. Sorry, no, you don't move up. You don't trade with the Panthers trade to move up to the one spot from Chicago to take Anthony Richardson, a quarterback that you could have given up less to move up just slightly so that you know somebody doesn't take a flyer on him before you. You were picking ninth, for heaven's sake. Anthony Richardson might have been there if that's what this was going to be about. So anyway, that's what we do with the mock drafts. Uh, but I did find that one with Hendon Hooker because I felt like we had just talked about it. 
Um, the injury obviously matters. Hook, Hooker's a guy that's not going to go in the first round. I did see one. I did see one mock draft in the last twenty four hours that the big headline was Will Levis falls out of the first round. Why? Like, what did he do? What, did he have? Did he have a mask bong? I even think in twenty twenty three that wouldn't affect you now. You know, especially for a quarterback. So, no way Will Levis is dropping out of the first round. What are you talking about? Are you the one with the mask bong on? This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.